Welcome to MVP, our new podcast for anyone that loves to learn new things. I'm Kate. And I'm Jack. And we both work at an online school, MVA. Like most educators, we are passionate about sharing knowledge. And love the sound of our own voices. Each week, we'll invite a special guest to join us for fun and engaging discussions on a wide range of topics, from careers advice to social issues. So sit back, relax, and let's get into it. back again for another week we've made it um and this time we've got a special guest uh so alex um welcome um welcome to the pod and why don't you just tell us who you are and what you're doing here <laughs> yeah sure um so i am alex <laughs> alex malinin uh i'm basically i'm from russia and i am going to talk about artificial intelligence today on this podcast it's uh kind of like a already a topic that's talked about so much lately especially with chat gpt um but i thought i could probably bring a new flavor to the conversation if that makes sense uh, i know there's yeah. a lot of doom and gloom about the whole topic but i want to present something uh that has hope in it at least that's my goal yeah i think that's i'm excited really that yeah, sounds exciting I'm excited already I'm, I'm very much into chat gpt at the moment um but like you say with the doom and gloom i'm also very afraid of it too so yeah, I'm kind of, I'm loving the fact that I can do a number of jobs in half the time and then I'm worried about when I'm going to get sacked because actually everyone realises that they can do my job faster. <laughs> We're not there yet. <laughs> um, so Alex, you um, you know Jack already. Um, this is my first time meeting you, but you are actually one of the students at the school. That's right. And you were just saying you're new to the school this year. Uh, yes, just started in September. So, I mean, it, it's awesome. almost almost a year. Yeah. Artificial intelligence. Um, it does seem like one of those real, like, scary. It's 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 what we've seen in sci-fi for, you know, twenty years. From did, did anyone ever watch the film Artificial Intelligence? Um, it's like a Steven nope. Spielberg. It, okay, well, obviously I'm 105 because it's a really old film. Um, <laughs> but it, it has been one of those things that's dominated conversation and like our TV and, you know, whether it's Westworld or, um, you know, lots of different things. And now obviously with chat GPT that's blown up, what what's your perspective on it, Alex? Uh, the way I see it is, I mean, I've watched so many podcasts or videos where it's, you know, there's a little bit of hope, but it's mainly just either make as much money as you can from it, because in the end, you know, all jobs, it, it's futile to work. It's futile to resist this. You know, the AI overlords will come and conquer us all. Uh, or <laughs> it's, you know, ChatGPT is useless. Forget about it. We shouldn't worry about it. Um, but I, I think I think there's like a like a balanced perspective somewhere in the middle where, sure, ChatGPT still lacks in quite a quite a fair amount of fields like math, for example, it's terrible at multiplication or addition, which I'll get into that. Uh, but there's some things that it's really incredibly good at where it has potential to really revolutionize us as the way we see the world and the way we behave and the way we work and I mean, everything really. I'm just going to interrupt you, I believe is the expression. Um, and let's just start with what is it? Because I think that's probably something people see a lot about but might not have actually been on what is ChatGPT? What's its function? How, how are you using it? But basically what it does, it's, it's a large language model. It is trained on, I mean, 
such a huge amount of data from the internet, from books, from you know, from paid sources, anywhere that they could get their hands on, including like people that they hire to to train it. Uh, for example, like programmers, where they break down their thought process of creating a, a program and they feed it into ChatGPT. And what it does is it just through working through all, all this data, right, through its algorithms, it basically learns as to what people want to hear from it, basically. It predicts what, what has mm -hmm. to come next. And that's what ChatGPT2 was, for example. You write a sentence and it completed the sentence into a paragraph. ChatGPT3 was way more advanced, right? And that's what really got people excited is that it behaved way more like a human. It could generate human-like responses. Uh, when you asked it a question, it didn't, you know, it didn't complete it into a paragraph. It actually, you know, made a separate answer. Um, and that's what, basically what it does. It's, it's so powerful just from a simple methodology of completing or predicting what comes next. The, 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 the algorithms or the, you know, the theory behind it is more or less simple, more or less. Uh, basically inputs, uh, you know, you, you have a few inputs, then you have this basically bunch of nodes that, you know, all the calculations that these inputs go through to arrive at an output, but all these nodes are hidden from uh, well, they're not hidden, but they really make no sense to us humans, right? It's kind of like um, mm -hmm. opening up, you know, someone's brain as a surgeon. You're not going to understand what memories they have. It's just the brains are there, right? Right. Uh, but we don't know the specifics of it. We just know that they they do the task that we give them, that we're, they are intended to do. That's how most most AI works, basically. There's different types, too. So if we, with chat, uh, GPT, if, is, is that information that it's um, receiving, is that still happening? Is it still data gathering all of the time? So I've used it, say, um, I, I might say, obviously I work for MVA, an online school, and I might write a prompt saying, write me a two minute promo video script about Minerva's Virtual Academy, an online school for children aged, blah, 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 blah. And is that can that get the most up-to-date information is that able to go onto our website and and pull the most up-to-date information or is it has everything kind of been dropped in in one go and then and and now it's and now it's kind of doing that's a really good question that. uh yeah so basically ChatGPT uh gpt3 has a cutoff date at 20 uh, september 2021 um so it doesn't know any events that happen past it or most events the okay. reason why something like that happens is you have to basically understand how AI models, the nature of what happens in, you know, in a workflow of building the model and deploying it. There's training and then there's inference. So training is the computationally hard part where you gather all the data and you pass it through your algorithm, right? Your machine learning algorithm. And this would require thousands of GPUs, these basically a computer part that specializes in matrix multiplication. Uh, really expensive tech, really expensive, but they'd have huge servers basically running 24 seven for months on end, just training, just crunching numbers, crunching, uh, multiplying matrices. And when it's done, it ends up with a relatively small, just, uh, you know, program. Uh, it's, it's just basically a file uh, that contains all the weights um, all, all, all the data of, of um, the result of its training, basically, and mm -hmm. just from that, that that's actually what really what really is ex what really matters, right? After that, inference is really cheap. I could give you an example. 
you could train uh, an AI model to recognize people's faces. It would take you probably a week with, say, four state-of-the-art GPUs. Um, and then at the end of it, it'll just be running off your CPU, which is super, super cheap. Uh, it's, um, I mean, it's 27 times less powerful than, than like the, the standard GPU in your computer. That, that, that sort of thing. It's, it's cheap for inference. Uh, that's why... For the old people out there, remind us what they are. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you mean by a GPU and a CPU? Just oh. for, for our benefit. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. Um, so every computer has a few really important parts. Uh, the CPU is called the central processing unit. What it does is it basically takes in, uh, you know, data from inputs um, and, you know, basically that's that's the brain of the computer in a way. Okay. There's two brains, but it's that's the main brain that takes in uh, commands and it, it performs all the calculations, um, but not graphical. The, uh, usually CPUs back in the days, they, they'd have integrated, you know, both CPU and a GPU just in one, they'd just be one brain. But soon, you know, these developers, uh, you know, the manufacturers uh, realized that, for example, computer games are super, super graphics heavy. CPU, CPU can't, can't, can't compete. So they decided, you know, we'll just add another one, a special part that would, you know, specialize in just matrix multiplication, which, which is really what, um, what games really need. Do you ever, did you ever find, Jack, you know, when your grandparents were sort of introduced to the iPad and it was like aliens had invaded, that, that's, yes. what, that's, how, that's how I'm now feeling as a woman yeah. in her 30s listening to you, Alex, talk. Like, I'm completely impressed and overwhelmed. I don't know whether to laugh or cry. <laughs> it sounds incredible. Are you a genius or, or is this standard knowledge now for, for, for somebody in year, year 12? <laughs> I remember in that ICT at school we did microsoft word microsoft powerpoint and then how to google things so it now that is you know children born knowing those things um but yeah so so has gaming really changed then the face of how all of these operating systems work i'll, I'll actually delve more deeply into gaming and, and the whole industry so the reason why we have all the really good things that we have now is usually really rich people wanted to have fun <laughs> Usually, mm -hmm. and you know, some people would say, "Hey, this is this is terrible. We shouldn't have really rich people, you know, because I don't know, it, it's it's immoral to just have so much money." But then again, think about the iPhone, for example. We would, or just phones in general, yeah. we would never get to the point where we have, you know, something m like thousands, if not millions, of times more powerful than you know the computer that landed us on the moon, just in our pocket, if yeah. there weren't really rich billionaires back in the day that wanted, you know, those brick phones, that either wanted to show off or just for the yeah. convenience of it, right? And because because it's so expensive to develop something, usually it's the first few, you know, batches, first 10, 100,000 batches that are really expensive. But afterwards, after the, all the money's poured in, that's when it can start getting to consumers. And eventually we got access to the technology ourselves. And that's what's been so amazing that now, we have, you know, so much power at our fingertips for so for such little money is absolutely yeah. mind blowing. If I if I had the knowledge right to write these programs or which I am currently studying, I would be able to to do anything I want with that. 
I could help. Are you going to use your power for good or evil, <laughs> Alex? Well, <laughs> it's hard to actually do anything evil with it, to be honest. Uh, brute forcing, for example, which is one of the examples how you could use it for evil, requires a lot of right, a lot of trial and error, just crunching all the possible combinations of, of the password, uh, of different passwords. Uh, but that's really quite impossible just because, you know, passwords nowadays are like nine digits long. Definitely. And no one uses the same one 15 times and gives it out to <laughs> colleagues because that's just <laughs> reckless. <laughs> I, I, I'm guilty of that too. I'm guilty of that too. Uh, but now, um, I know you say that people always focus on kind of the, the negatives for things like AI. Um, what do you see being some of the big positives and, and also kind of after that, like where do you see this going? Where do you see this being developed? Almost just a year ago, nobody cared about ChatGPT. Yeah. What, what was ChatGPT? It was just another fish in, you know, fish in the pond. There was really powerful, not really powerful, but there were plenty of, you know, large language models that were similar. Uh, but, you know, out of the water, you know, here's, here's GPT-3, and they reached, I believe they reached 100 million users in something like a crazy record amount of time. There was like a graph, like a logarithmic graph, how long it took for the major social medias to reach 100 million users. And, you know, here was, you know, Instagram, here was like Snapchat, and ChatGPT was a straight line upward. <laughs> but honestly, because it was so good that I was shown it once, I must have then shown and spoken to probably 10 different people about it and given them examples. So I became their marketing. We all became their marketing because I would sit with somebody and be like, let me just show you what it can do. And then they're using it and then they're doing the same. Um, so I'm not surprised really that it just blew up. And I guess as well, all of the, wherever there's negative attention, I feel like as well, that's super, you know, great kind of marketing strategy. And we'll talk in a second about how it links in with education, but that always fear and panic, nothing spreads faster than that. For sure, for sure. We, we're wired as, uh, as basically animals that if there's something bad, something negative, everyone has to know, you know, if there's, if there's yeah. like a, uh, like a threat, like a, say a tiger, you, you probably want to spread that news quicker than, oh, I yeah. have some berries here from food, yeah. you know? So it, it, it's in our brains, you know, from millions of years ago, obviously. Uh, but, and, and that's the best kind of marketing too. Word of mouth, that's what Tesla uses, for example. They don't spend anything on advertisements just because they, they rely on the quality of their product. And also because they have, you know, the world's richest man, the world's most eccentric man as, you know, the leader of their, of their company. But I think what's so amazing about GPT-3 is that it, 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 it can be used, I mean, I, I would say for education primarily, I've spent countless nights just talking to ChatGPT, and I know my parents did too. It is just so, it's, it's like you can have any intellectual conversation in the world, right, without actually needing to to form you know find scavenge for these people that you know know about your particular niche for mm -hmm. example let's say you're interested in you know consciousness right like or like what if 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 is it you know what about pantheism say everything is conscious right all objects are conscious who are you going to talk uh, talk to about that right yeah if we're talking in real life maybe on the online forum it makes sense 
but you can't find anyone on, in real life. Nobody is going to to share mm -hmm. your say in depth knowledge about the specific niche, but just because ChatGPT three was trained on so much data, it can talk and discuss about uh, discuss these really complicated niche topics. Do you get the same fulfillment from that as you would? Uh... A human being because because I, I totally agree and from a research perspective definitely you know I would go on chat GPT now to try and gather all of the information if I was doing you know if I, if I was finding that stuff out but I'm not sure I would get the same fulfillment as speaking to somebody even if they didn't have the perfect knowledge I kind of like human imperfection if that makes sense yeah, I think I think it's dependent on what type of personality you have. As an introvert, as a no, it's like a combination of introvert and extrovert. I can be very introverted and extroverted at times, but I I can't I still can't find like full fulfillment in talking to ChatGPT. Obviously, there needs to be that aspect of you know that, 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 that there's meaning to the conversation that it's not going to be you know mm -hmm. mechanically wiped away and it's going to forget about you. You know, kind of like a transaction type of thing, uh, but. It's super useful for research. It's super useful to understand, you know, for example, I used it to, um, recently, this is actually a great example. I thought I was gonna go into aerospace engineering, probably because of SpaceX and Elon Musk. And then I've had, I don't know, like three late night conversations with ChatGPT um, about just degrees, about, you know, my career path. And it convinced me that, you know, actually robotics is way cooler <laughs> and but that's so amazing i know yeah. right and it has like so much potential to guide like students or anyone really uh you know for either career wise or you know in life or in you know, relationship it, it doesn't matter if you have like a problem it can actually you know list solutions or options and it's really really useful I suppose That's it's like using it as a bit of a sounding board, isn't it? So you're mm -hmm. kind of pinging ideas at it that you're then hearing back in some sort of way. It's drawing everything it can from the internet and presenting it back to you. But also it gives you a bit more of a chance to think about these decisions you're making. I use it all the time, either in class to understand a concept better or, you know, personally to, you know, understand maybe what project I should start or what I should get mm -hmm. into. It's really, really useful. So why... What are the negatives and what are the problems that people are having with it? Even if it's just to kind of debunk them here now, why is it particularly, you know, from an educational perspective, we see lots of things in the media where educators are in uproar and, you know, how are we going to stop this and ban this? And, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, one thing I see a lot is these, uh, these questions and answers that are reposted all over the internet. For example, uh, ChatGPT, what do you think about racism? And it'll give you like the most racist response ever. What people don't understand is that those questions can be, you know, could be wrung out of ChatGPT3 through something called jailbreaking, where you basically force the AI through a paragraph, say, uh, of special keywords or specially struct uh, structured text to force it to respond in a way that you'd like it to respond. Mm -hmm. And then you can, you know, you can clip it out of context and share online. Yeah. Look how outrageous this is, et cetera, et cetera. There's certainly biases in ChatGPT. I totally acknowledge that. Uh, but for example, GPT-4, which they released a few days ago at, at the moment of this recording, they lowered the, um, the response, the toxic response rate. They called it toxic response rate. Uh, by around 80%, which is pretty great. It, it went from GPT-3 generated a toxic response 6.4% of the time 
to GPT-4 doing something like 0.1% of the time. So they, they really cracked down on, on the whole stepping around regulations and jailbreaking it. It's something that we all need to learn to embrace, really, rather than fear. Jack, from your perspective in a, working in the school, how, how badly does this impact plagiarism and, you know, um, somebody maybe not going out and figuring things out for themselves instead they're just asking because this is this is obviously the main ed- educator argument is we need to ban this because yeah I, I think that it's got a lot of press recently because of that um but I, equally i think it's almost the same as if you, a student was to have an older brother an older sister and go to them i'll oh, write this mm-hmm. essay for me um because as a teacher you're still going to pick up it in the same amount of times where if a student has you know, given you grade three, grade four essays throughout the whole year and then suddenly gives you the best essay you've ever read in your life, you're going to catch on anyway. There's going to be, you're going to start thinking. And actually, there's a few things you can do as a teacher uh, to check whether something's been uh, done through ChatGPT. Uh, so there are kind of reverse checkers where you can copy and paste it into uh, the, the the site and it will then give you a percentage as to how much of it was created by AI or what the the chance likelihood would be that it's created by AI. And actually, a lot of plagiarism checkers that are now done and, and used by online schools like ourselves are starting to incorporate these chat GPT te- checkers as well. So yeah. equally with um, technology advancing to give students the advantage, you've also got the other side to give teachers uh, the equal advantage as well. So it, it is catching up. Yeah, and I think as well, it's about then we just need to adapt how we how we learn and how we like assess perhaps as teachers so aside from chat gpt what are some of the other like amazing things that are happening right now with with ai that you know perhaps people might not be as aware of as as you alex mm, totally there's a few i oh, i completely adore uh these are called gan models uh <laughs> i'm going to get into that in a bit but they're called uh, they're generative adversarial networks, or basically AI models that generate images. Uh, we're talking from text to image. So things like stable diffusion or mid-journey, these are the two, or like Dolly, if you've ever heard of Dolly. Um, the two I really enjoy, I haven't had any experience with Dolly yet, um, only Dolly Mini, but I have experience with mid-journey, which is this proprietary AI model that you can get access to. And uh, it basically, you put in, you know, few words or however many words to describe something right say like Mm -hmm. like a scene like a man posing looking up uh, at the sun uh etc etc and the ai would generate a beautiful beautiful artwork and recently there was this whole like you know uproar on the internet how this man won an art competition from uh an ai uh drawing oh wow yes yes and i mean this was a few months ago i even made a post about it um but yeah, people people didn't know how to feel about it. It's it's either is it really art if a machine made it, or you know is 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 the person wrong for for submitting such a uh, such an artwork? You know, at some point, could you have you know AI diagnosing you know medical conditions if they're you know if they have the same training and the same wealth of knowledge as a doctor, they've got all of the information about what it, everything it could possibly be. And you're able to, in the same way you did when you do when you talk to your doctor, say, oh yeah, no, well, I had a headache for these days and I had, you know, this, and then I've got this in, this patch here of rash or whatever it is that you tell your doctor, Jack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, surely we can have, 
artificial intelligence streamlining lots of those processes? Yes, but <laughs> here comes the moral dilemma. The AI could be amazingly good, right? And let's say you want to you want you want to have a surgery, right? And you have the chance to pick between an AI and an actual surgeon. Who are you going to pick? That's yeah, the case I guess for for certain things we want that human element. We need that emotion. We need them to care about us to go like the extra mile. Yeah, but I do think it's interesting from like a you know streamlining and efficiency perspective with lots and lots of other stuff. Um, maybe not doing my like open heart surgery but maybe <laughs> diagnosing you know like and you know m much more widespread things um i think what it said as well is that um rather than being replaced by ai we're going to be incorporating it into our jobs more and more and more and so actually instead of it being something that's completely brand new and has never happened or a revolution that's never happened before it's kind of like how the internet first was and the jobs that people were doing just embraced and used the internet that little bit more and that little bit more again and again and again we're starting to see that with ai where they're not going to take over the jobs but the jobs just will slightly change in the day to day so alex we're going to introduce you now to our incredible feature teacher liar pants on fire uh, a feature whose title was actually created by ChatGPT. So, uh, yeah, yeah uh, that clever, clever little thing did wow. Jack's homework <laughs> for him. So what we've got, um, you and Jack will have to determine which of these three headlines is false. So um, two of them are real life accurate headlines and another one is totally made up by me. And you need to identify which one you think is the one that are, my pants are on fire about. So, number one, cocaine shark, another drug-fueled animal gets its own movie. Number two, woman accidentally joins search party looking for herself. <laughs> and number three, donkey refuses to leave barn in daylight as afraid of its own shadow. They are brilliant, those ones this week. Yeah. Um, I've heard of cocaine bears. I'd love the, the second one. I'd love that to be true. Woman joins her own search party. That is brilliant because it, it relies on her not realising what they're searching for and also the search party not, not realising. Not knowing who she is. Yeah, yeah. The donkey sounds plausible. There's many stupid donkeys. Um <laughs> I guess the search party also plausible. I think I think cocaine shark is the lie. I haven't heard. I was going to say the same. Yeah, because I it's it to be true though. That'd be fun. I don't, and I don't know how you would know because it's underwater. It's more difficult to monitor than a bear would be. So I, I'm going to agree with you, Alex. Like distill it in the water. <laughs> is like a... So what are you going with? I so think we're going think with the shark one. So cocaine yeah. shark, another drug fueled animal gets its own movie. Um, that is true. You're Ooh. joking. <laughs> really? um, so would you like a would you like another guess at the lie? Ah, uh, oh. donkey. I think I think I might have heard something about the search party. Maybe. Yeah, I, I just myself on the answer. I, I'm exactly the same. I just really, really want the search party to be true because if it's made up, that is so funny. And, and like that's brilliant. So <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, we'll say the donkey is the lie. 
Correct. The donkey is the lie. There's Phew. no donkey refusing to leave the barn in daylight because it's afraid of its own shadow. So well done. <laughs> you got there on your second attempt. Um, but yes, woman accidentally joined search party looking for herself. I will send you guys the article so you can read about the lunacy that is that. Yes, please. Um, Jack, have you got a classroom confessional for the week? I do. And this one was submitted in the theme of today's uh, less, theme of today's podcast. It was submitted by ChatGPT. So I'll, I'll tell you the prompt <laughs> that I gave because I thought, oh, maybe it could en- enact as a, act as a student to give us a good question. So I gave it the prompt I went with was uh, come up with a question that a student would ask a podcast run by two teachers. The student is asking for school based advice. So I kept it pretty broad and yeah. straight away. As it does, it came back to me with, uh, what are some effective strategies for managing my time and staying on top of assignments when I have multiple classes and extracurricular activities to balance? That's a very good, I think yeah. it's everyone's problem, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that's, that goes further, further afield than just, um, just worrying about school classes, doesn't it? Yeah. So for me, I would, I'm quite, I like, I quite like to block out time properly in a calendar. So you'll even see, um, I will create Google meetings with myself that are fictional just so that nobody bothers me. So yeah, I create meetings with myself as a way to kind of keep on top of stuff. And I do that normally at the start of the week, I'll think about everything that I need to get done throughout that week. And then I'll try and block out that Um, key time but I would do the same thing in a homework planner if I was at school when I was teaching in my teacher planner I did the same so that's a useful thing what do you guys think yeah I I do the same sort of style of thing I quite often give myself deadlines so I'll give myself a list of three things and say right I want to have done this by 4 p.m or 5 p.m today Um, and by giving myself those little short deadlines even though there's nothing sort of holding me accountable to reach them because I've set that goal and I'm working towards it, I'll work harder and I'll get distracted less often uh, and I'll get the task done in that time. So it helps me kind of segment the work I've got to do. Um, yeah, so the way I do it is I take a 20-side dice and I roll it and if it lands on one, I do the work. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I decide not to do it. Usually I, I use everything with uh, Google Calendar. Our last feature, Alex, is we do... Um something called MVP of the week and I will have someone in the week that has really inspired me and so will Jack and you can just pick who is your favorite so Jack do you want to go first yeah I, I, so mine's technologically themed and because we picked such similar MVPs recently I tried to go as far away as possible from what I think you're going to pick um you might disallow it for that reason, though. So I've gone with the person, and I've tried to research their name. I don't know. But the person who invented, you know, when you're on your phone and you're on a website and it's asking you for like a two-factor authentication. So it sends a message, like a text message, and you need to then enter that number. My MVP of the week is the person who makes that number appear just above your keyboard on iPhone. So you can then tap that. And saves you from going into messages or having to remember a number. Saves you so much time. It's so easy. Yeah. Uh, so that was my MVP of the that week. Is really even though I don't clever, know that. But name. you don't know who it is. Rubbish. No. We'll have to find out next <laughs> week. <laughs> Mine is very, very different to yours, Jack. Um, so Excellent. I- I think I've got this this week. I'm not going to lie. Uh, mine's someone called Yusra Mardini. Does that, has anyone heard of her? No. So she is this amazing woman. There's a film out um, about kind of her story, but she was an amazing Syrian refugee 
who um her and her sister they were in a boat um fleeing to germany and like a dinghy and um there was too many people in the boat so her and her sister swum and kind of pulled the boat along when the like um when the motor broke and um and then she ended up competing in the olympics as a swimmer so it's this amazing story of adversity and strength of character and um you know and and just kind of the human spirit and i found her very inspiring was watching a few interviews that she gave i i can't believe i hadn't heard of the story because this is quite it's you know it's not a new story um but it's mm. obviously been re-brought into the public um by the fact that there's this film out called called the swimmers which i think i'm gonna definitely watch this weekend I really like Kate's because I recent, not recently, long ago, I read this book, Refugee by Alan Gratz. It, the exact same story, basically, where this family bought bought these life jackets to cross, you know, uh, the the sea, and the life jackets were fake. And when the dinghy basically fell apart and they were swimming in the ice cold water, they couldn't actually stay afloat. And I, I really remember this book. It was one of my favorites. Uh, it basically connects the stories of three different families from different Aww. time periods. And uh, and at the end of the day, that like they meet. I won't spoil it, but it's very very beautiful. So I'll pick Kate. Sorry, Jack. Yay! Yeah, I win. Far. I don't even use two-factor authentication. <laughs> I don't yeah. think I stood a chance, to be honest. No, so, you but, didn't. Yeah, fair I, enough. As soon as you open, you didn't even have a person, Jack. It was just a complete waste of time. <laughs> do do better next time. <laughs> um, anyway, we're going to have to wrap this up. But thank you so much. This has been a really interesting. I feel like we could have spoken for hours and hours. So we'll have to have you back. Yeah. Um, thank you very much I'll be for glad joining to have us. Back, to be back. That'd be amazing. Yes, thank you. Thank you.